All right, hi guys. So, we're doing something new on this one. We're going to do a tangent, and we're going to, we've invited someone new to talk to. Hi. This is my buddy, Isaiah. How's it going, everyone? Isaiah is a fellow podcaster. Yeah, 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 I'm out here. Isaiah's newsstand. Yes, yes, that's, that's the name. Um, he's also a Magic the Gathering friend. Yes, yes, we're wizards. So he knows the, he knows the cardboard. Mm-hmm. I'm slanging it digitally more or less now, but you can catch me on some commander. Yeah, I would yeah. imagine that mm-hmm. COVID killed paper. It, it, people are still trying. I've um, actually seen some uh, live events, but they're they're sparse. Is limited anywhere? Uh, not really. That's yeah, like, sad. I think people are like playing it at like local shots, but not hard. Like, oh. You know, like like on like release nights and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, this tangent is going to be about Dune. Yes. So and the, magic. This the <laughs> the story of. Paul Atreides, written by Frank Herbert. Yes. Um, myself, I started Dune with God Emperor, the, the fourth book in the series. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Isaiah is slightly obsessive over this character himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was my profile pic for about a year where I drew myself as Leto Atreides, as the God Emperor, Godworm. It's important that I put the Godworm in. I mean, he had a kid life before he got the armor, which was cool. Armor was dope, and I kind. Of, there's part of me that wishes they they stayed on that line, but obviously that's the spectator. I mean, I'm sure we're gonna get into that, but like he had to ride that golden path all the way. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. We had to lose those genitals. We had to like go deep, and I I wanted to have that image of myself. So <laughs> this is me in a worm body. <clears throat> so the big kicker is. Did you like the new Dune movie? I love the new Dune movie. Like at least aesthetically, it was very, very much what I wanted to see. It was visually gorgeous. Yes, yes. Um, something we were kind of talking about off the pod, though. There was different changes that if you're a Dune fan, if you've read the material, you're going in hot. That you're like, oh, we just just took that out. We just spliced this this in here. We just made these characters that character. That was my experience at the first watching. Mm-hmm. Was, oh no, this conversation was, was between these two characters in this scene on a different planet. What the hell's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Like what what are we doing here? Like this character is literally acting like a whole other person. And like, okay, that's fine. But what what about their relationships? It's right. different now. Right. And yet, and yet. The story is smooth. It tells the same story. Yeah, it still gets to the same points. Um, the part one thing, I think that's another thing people kind of got maybe a little bit upset about. But I think once you saw Lord of the Rings, like that's the formula now. Like We're going to make these things split up so that we can tell the full story, right. really get through it. And like, yeah, we leave you on a cliffhanger, but like we're going to finish it. Right. So. It's, the, it's to hear a story. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and each one is an independent arc in itself. I mm-hmm. mean, even in the written... The written book, it's two books. Yeah. There's the Paul child and the Paul as an adult. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I've read the Dune series maybe eight times. I've listened to it probably more than 30 times. Yeah, it's such a good way to, like, just listen. It's just, you just put yourself in, and it's great. It feels good. <laughs> right, because, you know, Frank Herbert has such a powerful way of writing mm-hmm. that catches your attention and makes you think of different things each time you read Yes. I, I think when I first heard Dune, I was like, okay, it's a bunch of sand. It's a bunch of characters moving around and said sand, and it's a sci-fi somehow. And I'm like, I don't know. But then when you actually get into the reading, the material is like, it's like they blend in so much political 
ideals and stuff. They put in so much action in so many ways. Like you really get devoted to characters. It gets like medieval in some ways. Mm -hmm. It just tells such a romantic story. I mean, it is it is nothing more than old old world feudal soap opera. Mm -hmm. It truly is. Yes. The technology is interesting, which mm-hmm. I think the movie did a really good job of depicting the technology. Yeah. Um, especially because we saw the 80s stuff and mm-hmm. it was, you know, terrible. Yeah. Like, I remember I, I saw the sound gun or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not taking Paul seriously in right, this scene. Right. I'm sorry. I will say, though, props to um, the 80s one for putting in a sting. Yeah. Dude, Fade Ralph, though, is Sting. I, I never lost that image. Ever, ever, ever. I'm very well, curious what they're going to do. When, when, so I'm, in my brain, I'm dyslexic. Yeah. And I, so it maps 3D images in my head. Mm-hmm. So I have that. I can't tell you my right from my left, but I can tell you a 3D image. Yeah. No problem. It's always fucking him. Yeah, yeah. Every time. Every time. He's, you know, the story, you know, him with the with the long knife and the short knife mm-hmm. and the bad attitude. Yes. And, but it's always the same actor. In Every my head. time. Blonde hair. Just It's just like Harry Potter is always that one Daniel actor. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Right. It's just like, I'm going to You're just stuck. make them the same. Right. Like, well, you know, it's like um, the new one had such a fanfare yeah. of really good actors. And look who they make duck in Idaho. Thank you. I'm, this is exactly the point I was going to make next. There are some people who are mad about the Duncan Idaho um, Jason Momoa pick. They're like, he's too pretty. And I'm like, what Fuck are it. you talking about? Read If you read the through, full material, all of it, it's heavy metal Duncan Idaho in the end. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's the father of a thousand sons. Yes. We're talking about the most masculine woman slain yeah. character you could possibly find. That at the same time doesn't give a shit. And and even Frank Herbert said it. Like he's like, look, you guys love Duncan. I kind of like Duncan. I like Duncan. And I'm alright about him. That's why four is kind of weird because it's like he's forced into that world. Like <laughs> but, but the way it's written, he is forced inserted, just like you said, it's like it's abrupt. Yes. And it's very clear in the writing as you read it or listen to it, and it's this thing this old thing comes in into this new world and it's just like how is he adjusting and then that becomes a plot point which i like and anchors the story around him yeah and yet if you if you read it and you're not paying attention to duncan because the great thing about these stories is you can pay attention to individual characters Mm -hmm. they all have their own it's good to go back and really reread it yeah you know and you can look at it and go well why was duncan so important here yeah well he was just like in any story, he's a tool to create emotion within the development of the story. Yeah. He's there to s- stab the, o- the old man. Mm-hmm. He's there to, you know, <clears throat> marry Paul's sister. Yeah. You know, he's, he's pivotal all the way to the very end with, the, uh, with the, uh, Frank's son's work. Yeah, because uh, he fucks Siona or whatever, right? And then yeah. that's the whole lineage line, which is super key, super important. And then he also then becomes the character when they get his clone again and again. And um, he gets the whole rework with robotics and everything. And mm-hmm. then he like, becomes fully metal and also I, I love <coughs> that ending, honestly. People don't talk about that. They just kind of like, oh, so whatever. And I'm like, that was a cool scene. Like, Yeah, it really, it really was because it's, you know, it could be the... Oh, Frank Herbert's version of his transhuman nightmare. Yeah. Like, no, that's more like the evolution of yeah. that particular timeline. It's not 
it wasn't that was not leading to a nightmare that wasn't leading to the death of human humankind maybe it was actually a return to where humans should have been before earth fell in that yeah. storyline and i think too um uh his son has kind of said too he's like my dad didn't really leave notes he left clues like and we had to kind of solve that and then make our own way with it and um i really feel like there's a scene at the end of messiah with Duncan Idaho, where he's like looking out and he has that moment where it's a lot, it's flat like prescience, where he's like, I can see it all, I get it all. It's not like what Paul had, but it's like, I understand. And I feel like they expanded on like that really hard in a good way. And I feel like if Frank read that, he would have been like, Yeah, that was good, that was fine. Like he would have done some different things, but it would have been about that. Right. Because Paul Paul's ideas was, well, I'm seeing the timeline, a path of the future, I'm seeing actions on a, a short narrative. Yeah. Duncan didn't. He saw the the Matrix. He saw Metatron's cube. He yeah. saw the structure of reality right. as it was currently. And he could see the big motions moving through it. He, he didn't give a shit about if one farm boy one farm boy sneezed on one chicken and it got, you know, a nursemaid pregnant. Right. He didn't care about that. He wanted to see the larger motions. Mm-hmm. You know, what was these larger powers doing? What were the Bene Gesserit doing? What yes. were the noble, what was Chom doing? What was the, uh, the imperial families doing? Yeah. You know, those big motions. And I feel like, yeah, Duncan's like line was the most like the golden path too. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I feel like that was also what Leto was trying to do was set up someone like Duncan Idaho to finish it. Well, yeah, you beat me to it because I think that was the fruit that was birthed off of Leto's golden path mm-hmm. was Duncan Idaho. Yeah. And this is why he kept reinvesting, reinvesting, reinvesting yeah. and improving that. What it, what was it called? Uh, mongrel stock back mm. into his breeding program. Yeah. And folks, the, New Doom movie is very PC. Very highly PC. Because if you go back and read or listen to the original Unabridged books, you can read the book as an ecologist. Yeah. A philosopher. Which is really the part that I really dug. The philosophy in the book. That's like bacon. Or, you know, as a political intrigue. Or a soap opera. Mm -hmm. Or a gory, raunchy, violent comic book. Yeah. So it has all of those elements in it. Also, I like that they were actually, Frank Herbert was the first to get incestuous a little bit. Like, there are moments where it's like, are you guys going to, are they going to, it's going to, like, is Paul going to fuck his sister? Like, I remember right. those moments they, like they, they, He was really good about bringing the uncomfortable thing up. Yeah. Like, the jihad, mm-hmm. incestuous royalty, which yeah. is a history, yeah. historical thing. And doing it in a way that, that doesn't uninvite the sensitive away from the topic. Yeah. Because of, you know, like, well, we thought about it, it ain't going to happen, moving on. Mm-hmm. But it's there, and it sticks with you, and it's impactful. Yeah, and it adds character development and all these people, because they're all thinking and doing things that are very to the brink, but right. they're doing it for a reason, they're highly motivated. Like, as I remember, like, what, Aaliyah, we haven't really talked about her much, but, like, I remember having such an accordion relationship with her from the end of doing being, like, she's so crazy badass, and then, like, now she's evil, and then it's, like... But kind of like Baron Harkonnen, she has a purpose and a point, even though, like, it's kind of bad and, right. and crazy. And then, like, they also then give her more props in the later books and stuff. So it's, like, it's just cool how you can have this relationship where you love and hate them all. Even Paul. I mean, that's the main Paul, point. Paul's a bastard. Yeah. He's, I mean, it's the main point. He literally takes the biggest L in the second book. Like, yeah. he just has to, like, walk out in the in blind desert. Like, right. And he knows what's going to happen. Yeah. He knows he's going to get snagged. Yeah. He knows the rest of his life is going to be 
horrible. And he made his kid's life horrible. Like the scene where he meets back up with Leto and, and children of Dune and they're just like talking I mean, to each other. I mean, it literally is yeah. Deadbeat Dad 101. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Because it's just like, here's an empire, have fun. Yeah. Here's your crazy sister, your, your, your crazy aunt, and she's going to take care of things for a while. Right. What? What? And how? how <laughs> like, and that's the cool thing about this—the character development in all Frank Herbert stories, like even beyond uh, Dune. Yeah, because you—if you want to read something that will make you cry and get angry and throw shit through walls, read White Plague. Mm, what's that about? It's about the death of all. Um, I don't want to get this wrong. It's the death of all women. Oh wow. Oh wow! So literally, it's like some children of men shit. It's the it's written with a old school Catholic flair, mm-hmm. with um in in the environment of Ireland. Okay, about modern day. Mm. Some guy loses his shit, creates a genetic virus, and kills ninety two percent of all the women on the planet. Genophages women, jeez, beats. <laughs> The story is so openly terrifying and depressing that I have to finish the book once I start it, but I haven't reread it. Okay. But there's other books like The Green Briar or The God Makers or uh, one of my favorite Frank Herbert books, uh, Whipping Star, mm. which is written in the perspective of what if your son had an avatar? Oh, okay. And what if you were mean to it? Oh. But it's done in that super far out, like 1960s uh, sci-fi new age kind of thing. And it's a great read. It's fantastic. Hell yeah. And I'm speaking from the character development of Frank Herbert and his writing style. Yeah. I've never read something that I have not gotten something out of. Yeah. I'm Everything's challenged. Into more Frank Herbert material. Because it's not, it's not bubblegum stuff. No. Because it sounds like he writes a page, reduces it to a paragraph, and moves on. Writes a page, reduces it to a paragraph, Moves on. Yeah. You know, it's more than just, well, you know, he walked up a flight of stairs. No, there's a whole lot of stuff going on while he's walking up that flight of stairs. Yeah. You know, and it's not, it's not as typical as I find when I read mundane stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause there, and that's the thing too, there's, there's something about like other older contemporary writing and, and things of that nature and even the new stuff of now. But Frank Herbert had a cool way of kind of bridging gaps. Like he was able to tell you a detailed story but it felt paced very well. Like yeah. I've not read a book of Dune, especially his material that I was just like, well, I'm bored. Like, Oh no, no you know, no. I mean, some people might have said that about Dune in the first part, like, but I'm like, in terms of like the book, like book one, but I really do feel like it keeps your attention. Cause you want to see what these characters are really about. And then they start to act. And then that's really fun. And it right. kind of goes crazy. I mean, there's a fair amount of wor- world building. In the first book. Yeah. And yet the, the funny thing for, for me is a lot of it's assumed. Yeah. You it, know. For, uh, when he talks about how Arrakis got um, blown up, how he does it in such an absence of space. Like he just kind of tells you what's not there in a planet that was full of sand. And you just go, oh, man, that place got nuked. Right. <laughs> and it's just it, – it, it's interesting. I believe it's worth talking about. Now, I was trying to get Chris, my normal podcast host, to watch the movie so we, we could talk about yeah, it. Yeah, you were trying to indoctrinate him, which is the way. It's the path. <laughs> well, I'm I'm offering you, you know, the the trans, transcendent spice drug. Yes, yes. The spice. 
Right. Honestly, and that's another thing, too. The spice really had to flow for me. Like, I didn't really, like, get that until, like, right before. And then, like, once I started reading it, I'm like, oh, so this is what an Like, this is what a trip is. Okay, I get that. I get Paul's legend. Like, I get it way more now. No, I'm pretty sure that, you know, there's studies and the books are being written on most religions and most ideas on that are, goes all the way back to Stone Monkey. Yeah. So how how much mushroom did the primate eat over how many generations to yeah. create a frontal lobe of their brain? Mm-hmm. It's so like, like how hard did they trip to, to evolve? Right. Like, <laughs> or at least fast track it. Right. Like, you know, if the brain separated in, okay, I know this stuff and I don't know this stuff. And I keep pushing the I don't know this stuff. That means the I know stuff grows. Yeah. So you have an upward facing thing. With one hell of a catalyst. Mm. I mean, if you've listened to any of these podcasts, you know I'm a fan of the mushrooms. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's more than just a, a, a recreational thing. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I got into drugs as a recreational thing. But it was one of those things where, kind of like you see in the book, the religious application of these things just makes so much sense. It's not a leap. Like, well, I mean, it's, it's a drug for the masses. Yeah. So you're going to live to about 300 years old. You're going to be in good health. You're not going to, you're not going to be too, you know, 250 and you're going to have the body of a fucking 40 year old. Yeah. And if you are special, if you're a part of the, the grand manipulation of selective breeding, you can see what tomorrow lies. Mm-hmm. You get to literally see into the future and be a part of it, making it. But only if you're a part of these specific bloodlines that have, they've spent 100 years developing. Cultivating. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is like straight eugenics. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, why the Biddy Jesuit really hit hard for me. I was like, oh, wow. Like This is like ultra. Like okay. Well, that's the thing about the Biddy Jesuit. They are almost the representation of the extreme right. Yeah. To the point of, you may not do anything outside of our control. Yeah. They're the ultimate totalitarian state. And yet, they're the thing that saves the world yeah. later. Mm-hmm. And yet, you love them and you hate them. Yeah. They're very key. And then, and within their own ranks, they love and hate what they do and in each other. Yeah, like, there's just so much infighting. There's so much, like, how they have such disdain for everyone else. But they interact because it's their directive. It's right. their, you know. They, they feel that it's their purpose. Yeah. You know, and it's an old it's an old story too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, powerful that's, group that's of a women. Tale as old as time. You know, leading the world from the shadows. Yep. Until the point where they have to do it themselves because there's nobody left. <laughs> and that's why the new book is or the new books are underrated to me because they bring in then a wild like Valkyrie Viking style of that into the books, and now they're fighting and killing off these mini Jesuit that you're like aren't these like the baddest, baddest bitches in the world? Like they should never be dying and they're dying in droves. Yeah. Like, and then they have this bioweapon that they're trying to explain slowly, but surely that they don't even get. And you find that out. It's like, this is insane. And then next thing you know, robots (laughs) (laughs) on on the robot thing. So when you were originally reading the original core canon story, yeah. When Duncan left chapter house. Yeah. Did you think robots um, okay, I didn't think robots until we do the scene with the old people, because that's so okay. weird, right? So like, that's one of the, the, the most challenging, and we are not the first people to talk about this scene. So, 
Duncan is in his mind space. He's talking to what eventually becomes um, the two main robots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Optimus Prime and yeah, Uranus. Yeah, I forget or, their name. Uh, Euronymous or something, something like that. Something like yeah. that. So, Euronymous. Euronymous is the main one. And so, then there's... Uh, I'm going to... Ormus or something Something like Prime. That? It's something Prime. Optimus He's, Prime or yeah, whatever. Yeah, though. that's why I love the joke was real interesting. The, uh, but the kicker is, it is written like they're face dancers. Yes, yes. It's written like... Because I think that's what Frank Herbert wanted them to be. Like, that's why he wrote it that way. Because it is his material writing that at the end right. of that. And they expand on that, like... Well, but the kid made him the robots. Well, they, they, he goes a long way to explain it. Like, Aronimus is saying, Hey, we adopted their technology. They then try to adopt ours. We notice it and we let them do it. And that's why the one guy thought he had the upper hand and was going to do all this shit. Right. But it's like, No, we know what you're doing. We just wanted to get your material because it's good material. Right. And then you you gave us something to play with mm -hmm. because what do robots not have is creativity. Yeah. And it also, it was his layman plan to explain to the one guy, like, this is our plan. This is your plan. Right, buddy. And his real plan was to shake hands with Duncan Idaho and merge with them. Yeah. So it's like, it all kind of worked. There was like a game within the game, which is constant in Dune. So it's like, okay, neato. But it, it, it definitely was a long way around. You're right, though. I did believe it was face dancers because they go out of their way to say that they had weird faces like face dancers have weird faces. Right. Like changed. Like, I, I, I never I know why. I mean, if you look at the way that his son produced a story from from the end of Chapter House on the yeah. robots. Yeah, because it was real quick. I mean, they rewrote the, you know, the original story of Earth. Yeah. Like, well, like, how could it not be a robot yeah. at the end of the How could not the now? computer just come back for revenge? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which was dope. Right. And I, I don't think that was a Matrix 3 moment or anything, but it was a good way to end that story. Yeah. Now, do I think it was scary and almost blasphemous to bring all the ancient heroes back into their modern time? That was so weird. It like, was so weird because then it's like you have to like watch and then knowing that you're now you're die? doing like, like a wheel of time bullshit. Yeah, you're locking the timeline in in a in a cyclic effect. Yeah, and that doesn't that irritates me on one level because the story will now no go no further. It'll just keep repeating the past, keep repeating the past. Yeah, and I'm like, cool, because there there was especially the way Frank wrote it. Paul's power was so strong, it was like time traveling. He could literally affect the future because he knew that if he didn't make X or Y decision, then this whole thing doesn't happen or that whole thing doesn't happen. Same thing with Leto. Like, that continues. Chapter House is a little bit more of a spiral, but then it's introduced now in a new way with the Sun's books. Right. So, like I said, you're right. It puts a period to it in a way that it's kind of like, we can't go any further now, right? Like... It, and that's the thing. Like, you have to watch out for your, your evolutionary dead ends. Yeah. Like, oh, how did you feel about water worms? I... <laughs> because I like the, the story. It gave um, a plot, like, a little bit of a plot filler thing. Because you got to see the... Who are the little people? The bioscience people. What are uh, their the, names? Um, the Telaxu? Yeah, Telaxu. It gave a little bit more girth to their story. Um, I like that part. It, it was an interesting dead end for the human race. Yeah. Because let, let's let say we did go all bore on 
genetic manipulation and all that other kind of stuff. How how could we not end up looking like little gray aliens right. with teeth? It was a cool. It was almost like they're the elves of the world. Yeah, you know, like which we, are pretending in like in the later series that are pretending to be these nasty, evil things, but are the most pious beings on the planet. Yeah, but they're evil as shit. Too. Mm-hmm. But they're only evil to outside of themselves. They're no longer human. They're yeah. a subhuman species. And I like that they gave him a growth arc at, in the, the new books where it's like, look. And fanatics. Yeah, they, he understood. He's like, look, if we don't work with people the way we actually need to, we will die. Yeah. We, we just will die. Like, look at us. Like, we're at the mercy of these crazy women and they want to just kick our faces off. Like, we need to work with people. And so him doing the thing again, like having the cells and all that stuff, working with them, that was like a weird handshake between the Benny Gesserit and the uh-huh. Twi'laxu, which was nice. Um, also, the one guy who did make the water worm, then also that end result made the super worms that merged with Leto, which was cool. And I guess that's like the birth of new Arrakis is those hyper worms. As, as uh, I'll, I'll go back. The water worms were silly. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was silly. It was very funny. It was like, like I get it, but I always found that it was almost comic relief attached to that particular Talaxu character. Yeah. Now, now later in the story, were you as disappointed as I with Leto's death scene in the final book? Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Uh, it felt like he could have just keep kept going. Like I don't know. Like. There was something about it. Just feels like it was so vague. Yeah, he's just like, I get it now. I understand. And the it's like, most powerful subhuman in the entire universe. Yeah, in that in that storyline. Like I get it. I like you know I I've been studying meditation enlightenment for a long time. I get it. You know, carry wood, carry water. It's the same shit. But we're talking about. It was so like. I got to end the story. Yeah. It, felt it like, reminded yeah. me of like the way the get backers anime ended. Mm. Just, Oh, we'll be back. Like, uh, wait, wait, wait a minute. There's, there's more to say here. Yeah. But it was no longer. And it also is a good example of you have your time in the arc. Yeah. Like you, you had your story. How much of the same story other than Duncan Idaho do we need to keep reciprocating? That? Yeah. This is back to my earlier statement of, I don't know if I want all the old heroes to come back. No, I, I really didn't want that. But it, especially because then they kill them off in quick, weird ways. That part I didn't like. The little misadventures planet to planet were kind of like big <sighs> shrugs. I didn't care. Um, yeah, but I yeah. did like, Leto kind of has two, he has the same moment twice from four and then that moment where it's just like, it's just about worms, baby. Like, it's, right, like, right. It's, this, this is all I care about are my worms and me being a part of that. Like, right. Because once he stepped away from the human control of the human stuff, he was like, well, nature. Yeah. There's this living biosphere. Yeah. That I'm in tune to. Yeah. He's like, I can me. save Arrakis and that's all I meant to do. Right. Yeah. It was like, I was just trying to get you guys down the road a little bit further. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't trust motherfuckers like me. Yeah. Because he was a real motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, he had no doubts about it. And mm-hmm. yet, the conversations in the third book are so powerfully written. Yeah. Now, I know that Frank Herbert and his wife worked together yeah. on the core on the core series. So, I would imagine he had some really interesting dinner conversations with his wife. Working out those conversations yeah. in that storyline. Because even though that he's speaking from a position of authority and power... The conversation feels like it's me and my wife sitting at the dinner table and we're trying to hash something that we don't understand out. Yeah. 
Like, well, I have this perspective that I need to keep my empire into a village state, very poor, very subdued, because mm-hmm. I want them to last a long time. But at the same time, all the powers around you are trying to do everything but that. Yeah. They want out. They want freedom. They want, you know, they want to do things. And you're trying to keep them as repressed as possible. Mm-hmm. Like, and have that conversation flow. You know, it kind of reminded me. I'm like, well, honey, well, what are we going to spend our extra money on this month? Mm-hmm. Are we going to double down on our house? Are we going to double down on the car? Are we going to go have fun? Yeah. And it felt it felt like that, like throughout the story. And I'm like, like I said, I started with that book. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, no, no writer's ever going to speak to me in this way ever again. Yeah. And I'm glad you actually started with four. I, I, I saved four like a treat. Like it was one of those things where it was like, I knew enough had spoiled that I'm like, Someone is going to become that guy. Like yeah. someone's going to become the worm god. But like, is it is it Paul? Like, I was just kind of like, what's going to happen here? And then it's just like seeing the the thing, and it's just like realizing at the third book, I'm like, it's Leda. Like it's Leda. Like he's yeah. going to do it. It could have been Ganima. Yeah, it could have been his sister. Mm-hmm. Like it was a good setup. But then like once you kind of get to like the way the visions are forming, he's like the reason I'm getting the visions because it's for me. Like yeah. I need to be the one to have the armor on. Right. I like, need to be the one to do it. Which brings into the thing is, did Leto have free will to do that? Right. I think he had the ability to choose, but it was one of those things where every force was forcing him to do it. Like once you realize like it wasn't just the Aaliyah, it was the Benny Gesserit involved here. It was Chome. They're doping you up with spice. Like, you can't do anything but escape into the desert and then proceed into your legacy. Like, right. And, and yet, that the, the proceed into the wilderness to return to rule your universe. Yeah. I mean, it's another one of the, the hero cycles again. Mm-hmm. But I think he did because he has that one vision where he's like with that with the girl. He's like, I could stay here. Like, I could do that. Right. But you there can, would be a consequence, and I know that. And the consequence is the death of mankind. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it just, so it won't matter. So I don't want to. Like, I think he always was that person, and that's why his diaries are so tortured because he's just like, well, I, I had to be the bad guy. Like right. I had to do it. Like I had to be the despot. I had to do the hold the reins. Like it, it's such a powerful image, especially from the, when those stories were written. Yeah, I mean, the originally Dune, Dune was written in sixty one. Yeah, it's crazy how like advanced it feels. I mean, it it also has that same flavor of other books like uh, Stranger in a Strange Land mm. and uh, War of the Worlds. It yeah. has that older flavor mm-hmm. of. You know, our grandfather's generation. Yeah. You know, and very different from how, what we're listening to today. Oh, definitely. And it's almost remarkable to think back and go, well, not much changed. It sounds like any other freaking day, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, powerful people trying to stay powerful. Yeah. Doing, people doing trying to get despotic things, like, you know. You know, evil people trying to do as much evil as they possibly can. For sure. I definitely have to ask you, though, who's your favorite character? <sighs> Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of afflicted on this too. It's kind of a layer cake for me. Too. It's Leto. Leto, yeah. But it's the mature worm. Yeah, the the the, the full one, right one the god dies. Yeah, the one that's half crazy with his own bullshit. Yeah, the fact that he knew going on that bridge, like I'm gonna die on this bridge. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he speaks of the boredom of his of knowing. Yeah, of his enjoyment of surprise, mm-hmm. and the fact that he's going out of his way not to do all these things yeah and at the same time proud of what he is able to achieve with his 
product, his yeah. children, mankind. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, knowing that he's pushing them so fucking hard that they will never follow a solitary leader again. Yeah. Now, I think um, if you think about the entire Dune series, the entire work of Frank Herbert in that and his son. Yeah. What is the one word that comes to mind for you as an overall premise of the story? Oh, that's kind of hard because I, I, I get bogged down with like Atreides kind of stuff. So like loyalty is a really big thing for me when I think True. of any Atreides thing. I feel like that's such a Duncan. big. Yeah, Duncan does it. I think even Paul does. Like Gurney. Have, ex, big time Gurney. Gurney, like and the people around the main characters is like that's the thing that sticks for them. That's why like a whole group of people were willing to go to war for Paul. They believed in Muad'Dib and they were loyal to Muad'Dib. Like they're not just the man, but the name. Like. Right. So I feel like that's the word I would pick, but I don't know. It's hard. There's a lot of big, good words. My word is fanaticism. That's a good one. Because it doesn't matter which book you're reading, which level of the story you're at. How can I get as many people excited about some bullshit and go send them off against or for other bullshit? Yeah. And sometimes the main characters don't even want that, but it's happening in the backbeat. Like they can't escape it. Well, and in, in, in early on in the story, Paul was really like, how do I stop the jihad? How yeah. do I stop the jihad? All the but at the very it. end, he's like, it doesn't matter. It can't. It will roll without me. Yeah. It is just the, you know, this is the great conflict that's going to churn the genetic structure of mankind and mm-hmm. create dynamic change. Yeah, it has to happen. And yet you can't do that unless you have a whole bunch of people that are really motivated for an idea. Yeah. And, you know, you can look at today's political environment. It's very fanatical. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Left or right. Right. Yeah. Like, it, people that sit, you know, fence centers like me, you know, they're like, oh, well, you need to choose a side. And I'm like, why? You guys are really busy right now. Going in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> Eating your tail. But, Isaiah, it's been great talking Dune with you, buddy. Yes. Now, the other thing is. They're still the boys are still writing stories. They just wrote another book about uh, Paul's dad, Leto. Yeah, yeah, they have like a, a the whole prequel series, and I guess they're expanding, which on isn't bad. Yeah, I read it. it. It's got it's got story. It also helps too because like I remember they were talking about the Vincesi or whatever, and yeah. I'm like, huh? And then I realized like there's they're covered in the older books that they have yeah. made. And I'm like. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. So it's like it helps build more of a story. It enriches it. It talks more about a lot of the robotic stuff, too. I feel like it brings it more to the fore so you understand that it was always there. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't ask you. Did you did you read the encyclopedia? Because that's, that's another camp of people I've found out about where it's like they don't like the new stuff because it violently clashes with some of the encyclopedia stuff. I know which, what you're like, talking about. Frank was like, hey, that's fine. I accept it as quote-unquote canon, but, like, if I ever want to change it, it's changed. Right. So, like, that's just what it is, and I feel like that should be extended to his son. <laughs> like, I feel like he should have rights on that, too. Like, I don't know. But people, they feel a way because they like Frank, and I get that. Like, his work is very much his own. It will never be duplicated. Right, right. No, the, the, the work by his son is the work by his son. Yeah. It is a continuation of this one storyline. Yeah. Now, would it be the story of his father? No. And it shouldn't be. But I don't think the encyclopedia is either. That's why I get confused with people who get like so bogged down on that. I don't want to. Like I've listened to podcasts where literally they're just like, we're just going to quote from the encyclopedia and that stuff didn't happen. Who gives a shit? And I'm like, I'm confused. I I don't, I don't, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, because it's not, 
the power of the sentence and the phrase is what I care about. Yeah. What what is what ass backwards weird shit is Leto gonna tell the Bene Gesserit yeah. to stuff it with this week? Yeah. Yeah. And it's gonna make me think of well, how did I have an interaction with this this person in my past or in my future? How that interaction is gonna go? Yeah. Because the reality is, is you're looking at something that someone deliberately wrote to be clear and concise. Yeah. And to create motion within a reader. Who gives a shit if the ship sailed at 2480D or Those are the 60? stats. Like, exactly. Can, like, I, don't, I care. don't care about the biomass of a worm. It's neat to know, but like, that's just. It's not Star Trek. It's, exactly. That's not saving me here. Like, like, but, you know, going back to the, to the, to the movie. I think the movie does a good job of allowing that kind of stuff just to wash away. Yeah. It allows you to just really be in the moment of the story that is, I mean, it's more or less Frank's. I don't feel like they've altered it to a point where it's something different. No, no. I think they stayed pretty on it, even though some conversations are different. And I would love for more detail, but of course I did. I read books and listen to books. Mm -hmm. So, and they're more detailed than anything else is. But at the same time, what do you hope for the next film? Uh, see, and this More than just a perfume commercial, I hope. The thing I'm giving, is it going to be two parts or three parts? It's got to, they can close it up. Because that's the thing, they could do it in two parts. I mean, that's the, how the the book is originally set up yeah. in two books. So, okay. They can if, definitely if, do it. But are they going to expand it and bring in Messiah or something like that? Like Push I it guess. all the way to his death when yeah. he walks into the mm-hmm. desert. That's so probably I don't what know. I think he should, they should do. I would love that. Because when they said they had four hours already, so I'm like, if you already have four hours of material... And now you're going to be feeling more for the part two or whatever. So it's like, couldn't you then do that? Like, have it be three? Um, but what I want to see, I think I want to really see him ride a worm and have that really, like, that scene really get nailed. It's a big scene. It's a big scene. Also, more importantly than that for me, the spice trances. Like, I think they they hinted at it very, very, very well in the, right. the part one where he's, like, in the sand, he falls over. And it's like... You see him going through the thoughts, but when he goes like deep, when he drinks the whole thing, I want to know what that feels like. Also, Jess, they're going to probably hit that right away yeah. with her spice change. So that's probably like the big things I'm looking forward to. Yeah. I, and I have no doubt that the art is going to be fantastic. Yeah. That the, of course, the special effects were stunning. Yeah. Um, one more thing before we, we move on. Um, when they introduce the Sadakar. Yeah. What the hell is up with using Tibetan throat singing as some kind of that whole evil scene was thing? botched? That whole scene was botched. Why? It was the most that they gave Peter, and he's just sitting there looking at these guys like, "What are we on Survivor? Like, what's going on? Like, I don't understand why we have this music with these people." Like, like it, it, like it did create this ominous feel, yeah. this great masculine. It power. accomplishes it, but honestly, I think the best Sardaukar scene was when they they slip down in and they do that scene because that felt like the book. Yeah, they're fucking ninjas. Yeah, coming out of fucking nowhere, mm-hmm. fucking, like, fucking these up are your crew. Spec ops soldiers, they are strong, and like we don't know that the Fremen are that strong yet, but like they put up a fight, and clearly it didn't matter to the Sardaukar in that moment. Like, right, and that was dope. But I did like the Duncan Idaho scene where he's just like slashing and just like slamming. <laughs> he's doing so much. And the shield work was really cool. I like how they did that. In yeah, the, the shield in the work movie. was much better than the other version. I, I didn't see it. I don't even know if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.